Hey now, it's the 7th of April, 2017. This is the Room Now Week in Review. I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. I'm coming to you live from the Cleveland Clinic where they're having their seventh biannual biologic summit. This is a meeting that Lenny Calabrese hosts here at the clinic at, uh, usually brings in some of the biggest and best of minds regarding biologics, a four-day conference. We're two days in. It's been a great conference thus far. Some highlights of the meeting thus far, Chris Richland reviewed psoriatic arthritis, its pathogenesis, some of its therapies, a few nice tidbits from him. 30% of patients with psoriasis will develop psoriatic arthritis, but yet if you go into the clinics of the dermatologists and have rheumatologists examine all their patients, as many as 15% of patients in the clinics right now, in the dermatology clinic at least, will have psoriatic arthritis. Risk factors for psoriatic arthritis are numerous. High on the list is obesity, but there are others. Um, smoking, nail dystrophy, severe psoriasis, nail, um, trauma, uh, fractures, uh, family history of psoriasis, and rubella vaccination. Uh, when Chris was reviewing the genetics of psoriatic disease, uh, he clearly showed that uh, CO602 has a very high association with skin psoriasis. As much as 60% of patients will have that gene. Um, on the other hand, the same gene is seen less frequently in patients with psoriatic arthritis, only about 28% of patients with that same gene. Um, an interesting lecture from uh, a pediatric immunologist, Dr. Torgerson, uh, looked at a number of interesting factors uh, around the, immu the immune system and immunodeficiency. Uh, one thing I liked that he said, talked about um, the function of, of neutrophils. Um, and, and said that there's 100 billion neutrophils made every day. They live about six and a half hours, um, and that they're removed from our system by complement and phagocytes. Um, he used the quote that, the, that these cells were involved in scavenging and basically cleaning up the garbage. He says they, uh, neutrophils live fast and die hard. Um, a real interesting lecture from uh, Mike Holers uh, from Denver looked at the whole issue of preclinical RA, a number of important points. Uh, first, that first-degree relatives um, who have, uh, of those who have rheumatoid seropositive RA uh, have about a, a frequency of rheumatoid factor, or CCP, of around 16%. If you look at first-degree relatives who are rheumatoid factor, or CCP positive, um, the risk of developing RA in that person goes up with the titer of the rheumatoid factor and can be as high as 50%. So um, in those at-risk individuals, a lot of discussion was had about uh, modifying lifestyle, uh, including smoking and weight and uh, gingival care uh, in, a, in an effort to minimize the risk. But that such, such uh, advice is good overall health advice. Um, he also pointed out that the, uh, the data on smoking is a little discouraging, but uh, while we all would recommend stopping smoking so as to avoid arthritis, um, at least in women who have rheumatoid arthritis, the benefits of stopping smoking can take as long as 20 years, according to the nurse's health study. And lastly, he showed a lot of uh, very good evidence about the importance of mucosal immunity. Um, and we know that from studies involving the lung, involving the GI tract and whatnot. Uh, the evidence for important mucosal immunity leading to um, the development of disease in those who may be at risk comes from several lines of evidence. Number one, that almost all of the autoantibodies that are present, the earliest of them are all IgA. 
there's evidence that he's done showing that airway disease uh, is present in ACPA positive first degree relatives. Uh, that there's a high level of IgA plasma blast and certainly the evidence from the altered gut microbiome, the dysbiosis seen there um, that has been seen in at-risk individuals, all points to the mucosal immunity as an important factor. Interestingly, the studies that have thus far been lined up to test whether drug intervention in at-risk individuals who don't yet have arthritis, who are uh, first-degree relatives, who are CCP, CCP or rheumatoid factor positive, um, we're using conventional drugs, uh, Plaquenil, Abatacept, and the recently completed Prairie study with rituximab. None of these are specifically targeting mucosal immunity. So these are um, uh, test cases. We're going to probably learn as much from the placebo population as we will in those that are actually on the drug. Um, a great lecture from Dr. Ian McGinnis from uh, Glasgow. Uh, Ian started out by saying one of the major lessons in the last decade is that we are bad at choosing the right target for rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, that's been pretty much by happenstance. We've learned more going from bedside to bench than we've learned by going bed, be, uh, bench to bedside. Um, and there's a lot of uh, reasons for that. Uh, he pointed out that the issue of how we approach disease the same all along its course from the earliest stages to the latest stages is a little bit um, nonsensical when you consider the fact that the immune system dynamics change continually over the life cycle of rheumatoid arthritis, but yet our therapies remain the same and that he feels we need a different approach. And he ended with some important data and important suggestions suggesting that we need to focus on the synovium because the synovium will tell us as much about inflammation, um, but really the synovium in remission is likely to tell us more. He made the point that we now probably know better who to study, that is those who actually achieve remission and response on a specific drug. And now he's also suggesting where to study it, and that being the synovium. Um, so that's it thus far from uh, the, the meeting this week. There's other data that's, uh, that's uh, actually on the website this week. The FDA approved the website 23andMe. This is a company that markets at-home genetic testing. The FDA has approved them to do direct marketing for uh, a battery of tests that would look at the genes for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and celiac disease, but also some very rare diseases, such as dystonia, Gaucher's disease, and hemochromatosis. It's not probably far in the future that they'll be doing other genetic tests that would look at uh, the genes, for instance, associated with rheumatoid arthritis and trying to let people ascertain their possible risks. Um, a nice review of statin myopathy was seen, looking at 100 patients, had a mean age of 60 years, 65 years of age, mean CPK due to the statin of over 6,800, but when tested, 100% of these people had autoantibodies against HMG co-reductase. Um, so that's an important uh, advance in our understanding of that pretty rare syndrome. Um, a number of regulatory things happened this week. The FDA has uh, granted approval to AbbVie for the use of adalimumab in severe fingernail psoriasis. That's right, fingernail psoriasis. Um, so they now have, I think, nine indications uh, for the use of that drug. The FDA um, Oncologic Advisory Committee, an advisory committee that hasn't, that's obviously is the first step in getting a drug approved, has actually uh, uh, unanimously approved the use of subcutaneous rituximab in patients who have lymphoma and CLL. Um, we can anticipate then that this will be approved. The good news is that this can be given in minutes as opposed to the many hours we use when trying to um, 
uh, use rituximab for either rheumatoid arthritis, lymphoma, or GPA. And the FDA has also recently granted breakthrough status, which means an expedited review for rituximab in the use on the treatment of pemphigus, a very difficult study, largely based on a study that came out this week in Lancet. If you're interested in that, it's on the website. Um, discussion of oranofen came up recently, and I reviewed some of the literature, and surprisingly, an oranofen, which none of us have used in probably over 25 years, has become a more popular drug recently. It's an off-label drug, and it's being used in a number of cancers uh, and in resistant infections, spe specifically bacterial, fungal, and parasitic infections. So oranofen is still out there and being used, not helping arthritis, but it may be helping those other conditions. Um, there's a nice report from the Journal of Bone and Mineral Research that looks at um, the activity of adolescents. They studied nearly 300 children uh, and adolescents between the ages, I think, of 12 and 20, and looked at their activity levels and how that um, manifested as far as bone strength. And they showed that vigorous physical activity was associated with greater bone strength and cortical porosity, and that the converse was also seen, that those that were lazy actually had weaker bones. Um, and since about 35% of your bone mass is being formed during these early formative years, um, exercise obviously should be vigorously promoted to children. There's an interesting article about abatacept during surgery. Can you use drugs during surgery? Should you stop? When should you stop? This is a review from the Aura French Registry of over 1,000 patients who are taking abatacept. And they didn't have a control group, but they did show a fairly low rate of um, serious infections, about 7.5% in those that were having surgery while on abatacept. They did show that those who stopped their drug and then had different intervals, that the intervals had no effect on the rates of surgical infections. They also showed that the thing that predicted uh, surgical infections the most was the use of steroids. Um, and lastly, there's um, a, a, a blog that I wrote about the Great Masquerader. It's about um, in the past, we used to call TB and syphilis the great masquerader. Um, it's been replaced by lupus and vasculitis and sarcoidosis, but really the much more common, more, more undiagnosed and often masquerading as something else is fibromyalgia. Uh, there's up to four to seven million people affected with fibromyalgia, making it highly prevalent. The problem is they never come in with a complaint of widespread pain, trigger points, and a, and, and a sleep disorder. They come in with elbow pain. My doctor thinks I have uh, lupus. Um, do I have multiple sclerosis? Uh, again, their presentations are varied, such that Dr. Cavanaugh many years ago said that um, it should be called multi-organ dysesthesia. Uh, and depending on what clinic you present to, it's really fibromyalgia. So in the allergy clinic, it's uh, chronic sinusitis and allergic rhinitis. In the neurology clinic, it may be cognitive dys dysfunction or migraine, et cetera. So uh, consider that. Fibromyalgia should be high on our list of diagnoses. That's it from room now, for this week, roomnow.com. Go to the website for these links and more. Uh, watch the Cleveland Clinic, and you can actually get some of this education online, some truly wonderful lectures that are worth reviewing. Um, see you next week.